morning, green team. You can do way better than that. I know you have it in you, red team. I know you can do so much better than that. I know I'm wearing a green shirt this morning. This was a shirt given to me. Don't feel like I'm against you. I'm with you. I believe in you. I believe that you can watch the super bear better than you did this morning. You just watch him set up straight on his bed. Are you ready, red team? Good morning, red team. Wow, wow, all right, all right, all right. I see a little intensity here this morning. Good, good, good. Uh, before I get started this morning, I, I wanted to get to know you a little bit, and so, so I, I, don't know, I don't know what you like to do for fun around here. I don't know. Like, so I, I, I was asking, and I said, some people like rugby. Is that a thing around here? Like rugby? How many of you are like, I love rugby? Rugby, all right, there's like, there's like half of you. That means that half of you don't like rugby. How many of you are like, I don't like rugby? All right, all right, there's like six of you. You saw who they are now. All right, all right. Is there something else you do for fun? Fishing. How many of you like fishing? Yeah, okay, okay. How many of you have never fished before? Fair enough, fair enough, yeah, that makes sense. I am no good at fishing. Yeah, I fish and it's, it's the worst, so. Anything else, anything else? So rugby and fishing and volleyball? Uh, oh, I heard it. Yes. Oh, oh, he said it now. All right, how many of you love volleyball? Volleyball? Whoa, okay, 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 I see, I see. All right. I took a class when I was in university on volleyball. It was a class, and I, I didn't enjoy it. I was not, the ball keeps hitting you in the arms. I don't like that. It just, it, ow. They're like, ah, ah. They're like, we'll do it this way, and I, jam my fingers. And I was like, what are we doing here? Why are we, this is no fun. But clearly you enjoy that. Do it again. How many of you like volleyball? Let me see you. That's the crowd. Okay. Okay. Is there volleyball today? Yeah. I saw a net set up up there. Oh, today's your day, volleyball people. All right. There you go. This is your moment. This is your moment. Now around here, I call it soccer. What do you call it around here? Soccer? Soccer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So soccer. I love soccer. I played soccer. These are not my soccer shoes. I don't wear these soccer shoes, but I, I like playing soccer. Um, and so, how many of you like soccer? Soccer? Okay, okay, okay. See, mm. I think there's about as good as showing as soccer as there is for volleyball, which is better than rugby and which is way better than fishing. All right. So I see the tears of what you enjoy. Good enough. Good enough. I'm I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. We're here for chapel. What we'll do for this morning, tomorrow morning, and Wednesday morning is we'll be studying the same book of the Bible. We're going to work our way through the book of Job. So if you have a Bible, turn to Job in your Bible there. The Old Testament, if you can find the big book of Psalms, Job is right before that. So if you're like looking all over for Job, you find the big one of Psalms and just go right before that, that's Job. And we're going to be in Job chapter 1. And so what we're going to do is really the next three days tell the story of Job. Now, maybe you look at it and it says Job. Job, is that what you see? Do you say Job when you say his name? You call him Job? This is going to be confusing for some of you then. I have a friend, I have a friend, he is from Scotland, and he calls him Job as well. And he tells me that I'm, t I'm saying it wrong. I would try to say Job all week long because I love you, 
but I would fail miserably, and I would call him Job and Job and Job and Job over and over and over. So I'm probably going to just call him Job. Is that okay? All right, all right. You'll know who I'm talking about, right? He's about the only guy in the story here. But before we come to the word, let me start by praying and asking God to bless our time in his word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this story, this biography, where we get to see plainly your work in the life of one of your people. I ask that this week at camp, as we see Job's story, that we would be encouraged, that we would be strengthened in our faith to trust you, no matter what comes in this life no matter what has come in this life or what will. Bless us now as we study your word. May we believe in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Job chapter 1, I'll start by reading the first three verses of Job 1, if you'll follow along. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, or Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. He hated evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance, the things he owned, also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, donkeys, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. We were to flip open Job's Instagram account. We'd find a few hashtags. You know hashtags? All right, here we go. Hashtag Job. Hashtag evil hater. That's what we just read. Hates evil, right? Hashtag evil hater. We'd say hashtag dad of ten. He's got ten kids. You see that there? Seven sons, three daughters. You can do the math. Hashtag not a hobby farmer. He's got massive farms, giant land. Hashtag thousand sheep. Hashtag three thousand camels. He just lists it all out. Hashtag five hundred she donkeys. Right? That's what he said here. There's some she donkeys up in his farm. But I think that the hashtag that would stand out most is one you may not be familiar with yet. Hashtag goat. Greatest of all time. GOAT. You see that acronym? Ah, this is the one we use. And here in the text, if you look, literally verse 3, it says at the very end of verse 3, this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Job was, what we would say is, hashtag GOAT. He was the greatest of all time. This is a uniquely blessed man. He is very influential, very well-known, very wise, very holy. He loves God. He hates evil. Hashtag evil hater. Like, that's who he is. As you start the story, you meet this man, and it's not a man like most of the world even around him or most of the world around us. Job's life is marked out by his love for God, his fear and worship and awe of God. He seeks to live every day carefully, Seeking to do what is wise and what is good and 
And Job's life is filled with so many blessings. Blessings of children. Blessings of animals. Blessings of property. Blessings of servants. So much so that Job is truly, hashtag, goat, the greatest of all time. Verse 4 and 5. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, did Job continually. We would add to his Instagram bio, hashtag totes religious. Job is very serious about his faith, so serious, uber religious. He didn't just, as we just read, offer sacrifices to God for himself. Did you see who he offered sacrifices for? For each of his kids. So he's up there, and it's not just like one sheep who gets a bad day. It's like, and ten more sheep just killing the sheep. So making sacrifice. You see, Job is making so many sacrifices, always careful to make additional sacrifices. He is a dad who loves his kids, and even if his kids might have made a decision not to follow after God, he'll still offer sacrifices on their behalf. Job loves God. Job loves his family. Job is super successful and super spiritual. He's a spiritual guy. Like, like, picture in your mind some of the most spiritual people you know, and that's what it would have been like to be around Job. Just a man who loved God so deeply. Verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God, that's an Old Testament way of talking about angels, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord, and said, Doth Job fear God for naught, for nothing? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch Take away, touch all that he has, and he will curse thee to thy face. What you get in the story is we started off, and, and the, the, the author of Job telling this biography starts by telling you about Job. But here at verse 6, we kind of do this pull back. I don't know, you ever seen one of those movies where it's like the, the scene is down here, every, all the action's happening right here, and then all of a sudden the camera just and like goes be behind the clouds and keeps going out to a different dimension. Like that's what's happened here. It's like there's this story of this man named Job. And Job has all these things. And Job, hashtag dad of ten, hashtag totes religious, hashtag goat. Job loves God. 
pull back, different setting. We're in heaven. We're standing before God. And angels are coming through, giving report to God. And Satan shows up to come speak to God. And as you see this new setting, there's a few things you do well to see in this story. What you see here first, and understand this, young people, look at me. What you see here first when you think of who God is and who Satan is, there is a clear imbalance of power. One is in control, one shows up to talk to him. This isn't like Star Wars, like the, the Force, there's the, the dark side and the light side, and they just, they're fighting the Jedi against the Sith. And that's not how the spiritual world works. What you have is, God is in control of all things, and Satan shows up and goes, uh, <clears throat> uh, hey God. He is a weaker power. He only has power by permission of God in this text. One writer, commentator, says that even Satan is God's lapdog. He's like a little yippy puppy compared to the true power who is God. When you come to this text, see that it is God who is in control. God is the one with power. This isn't yin and yang. There isn't this wrestle between the powers. Oh, will God win or will Satan win? One is clearly, undeniably in control. And one is subservient. See that. Beyond that, see who is it that brings up Job? Up here in the cloud conversation, who brings Job into the conversation? Who is it? God does. Did you see that? It wasn't like Satan shows up and goes, hey, hey God, Job, let's talk about Job. Actually, God's the one who begins the conversation about Job. God goes, hey Satan, have you seen my servant Job down there? Do you see this? God in control, even this whole story, everything that happens here comes because God himself brings up Job to Satan. You see now the Lord bringing up Job shows that God has in mind something for Job that Job doesn't know yet, that Job can't see yet, but God is going to be at work. God is the one who instigates. Have you noticed Satan? Can you see what he said about Job? I think it's one of the coolest things. Look back there at verse number 8. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and hates evil? I look at my servant Job and I see one who loves and worships me and I see one who hates sin. Do you see him, Satan? Look at him. This is a moment where God lovingly points out his servant that he loves, Job. But did you see what Satan said as soon as God brought him up? What did Satan say? Satan says, of course Job serves you, God. This is the whole point of the story. Of course he serves you. Look at what all you've given him. Look at all his stuff. Of course, if I had everything, I'd serve God too. Like, look at, look at what you've, you've, you've protected him, you've blessed him, you've increased his family, you've increased his crops, you've increased his land, you've increased all of his flocks. 
But, Satan says, he, he makes this, this challenge with God. But, verse 11, if you were to take away all this stuff, if you were to crank up the heat in Job's life, if you were to increase suffering in this holy man's life, I guarantee holy Job would curse you to your face, God. Satan, you could say it this way, told God that if you bring the destruction, Job will start his deconstruction. Let me explain a word. You probably know the word destruction. Ruin, attack. Deconstruction is a word that is now used to describe those who claim to be followers of Jesus, but at some point in their life, they decide that they don't want to be followers of Jesus anymore. They deconstruct their faith. It means that they're pulling away from who God is and saying, I don't believe that anymore. I don't want that in my life anymore. They deconstruct. This is what Satan is saying about Job. He says to God, if you bring destruction, Job will start his deconstruction of his faith. He'll curse you. He'll turn away. He'll change his life. If pain comes into his life, Job will cease from being your follower. Job will thumb his nose at you and walk away. Have you known people like that? For a while they said, I want to follow Jesus. They might show up at church. They might be around. But a few months, a few years later, they're nowhere to be found. You start to notice that their life has just kind of started to allow sin back in and sin now rules over them and they are slaves to their sin. But they used to be so excited about the things of Jesus and now you go talk to them and you say, what happened? Often for them... They've decided that faith in Jesus is no longer for them. Commitment to a local church is no longer for them. Following after God and turning from sin is no longer for them. They've decided to give in and follow after their sin. What you find is that there are many who depart the faith who say, yeah, I used to be a Christian, but I don't believe in God anymore. And they do so because the God that they believed in let them down at some point. They were disappointed by that God. For them, the temptations of sin became easier to give into because the God who they imagined or the God who they'd been taught was not capable of handling the hard times in their life. Something terrible happened in their life and so they went, you know what? I'm not going to follow God anymore. I'll just follow sin. I'll just live however I want. When the destruction comes, Satan says, the deconstruction of Job's faith will begin. Verse 12. Verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that Job has is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Satan says, if you took it all away, he'd curse you. He'd, he'd give up his Christian faith. He'd stop following after you. He'd turn to sin, and he'd curse you, God. 
And what does God say? Then go. Try. It's God who gives Satan permission to do what he wants to in this text. Satan could take all of Job's stuff. He could take all the things that Job loved. Satan could remove it from Job's life by the permission of God. He just couldn't touch the dude's body. Don't touch him, but take everything that I have hedged around him. God is merciful and gracious. God is compassionate and loving. And here in this text, God is telling Satan, you may go and take from a righteous person. Like, like perhaps your understanding of how God works is, God might get some bad people and take their stuff. God gets even with those who do bad things. So, oh, you're having a hard time. There you go. God got you. When you read this story, you come to understand that God allows Satan to take things from even those who were doing good and doing right. That suffering that comes into our lives does not come apart from God's permission. The suffering that comes in the lives of God's people only comes through the hands of a merciful and gracious God who's filled with compassion and love towards us. And listen, that means if He loves us and allows suffering, hard times to come into our life, He allows that to happen, it must be for a loving purpose. He must have a good reason for why He would let that happen. God isn't cruel. He doesn't hate Job. He loves Job. Job's his servant. And so if hard times would come into the life of one of God's people, it's only by God's permission, and it's only from his heart of love. He must be doing something bigger, grander than we can understand. God gave Satan permission to bring suffering into Job's life. Do not lose side of the fact that God is in control in that text. Verse 13. That was above the clouds. Bring the camera back down to Job's life. It's going to be the worst day of Job's life. After that conversation, now in Job's life, verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and has burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. 
while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men and their dead. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. This is the worst day. We're now back in Job's life. Job didn't hear any of that conversation between God and Satan. Job is just getting up, and he knows that this day is a special day. Because this is a day where his kids get together. And the story's already told us, on this day, Job takes special trips up to make sacrifices. Job's leading his sheep, several sheep, because he's going to make a sacrifice to God for himself, and then just in case his kids have sinned, he's going to make a sacrifice for each one of his kids today. This is sacrifice day. This is church day. And Job gets up, and this is the day where he goes because he hates sin so much, he'll offer a substitute sacrifice for that sin on this day. Because he trusts the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God, he knows God will forgive sins if he offers these sacrifices. This is the day of worship, of love of God for Job. And he walks these sheep to the altar to sacrifice them. And as he's there at the altar, the first servant comes. The first servant out of breath has sprinted as fast as he can. Kilometers upon kilometers running. Blood on him. Because today, the neighboring tribe invaded that edge of Job's property. The Sabians have come across the border and they've slaughtered all the other servants, and they took away your cattle. Job, we just lost one-third of your property, and your servants are dead, and I only escaped. And the text says, while he's still describing to Job the destruction, and Job says, what about... I imagine Job had servants that he knew, friends of his who were servants in that clan. But what about him? He's dead, Job. What about him? Job, they killed everybody. Okay, we always keep cattle back in the barn. They took the barn, Job. They took everything. They, they burned down the houses we had over there. They took everything we owned. They, they wiped out all the servants, Job. While he's still talking to Job about this tragedy, it says, while he yet speaking, another one shows up and he says, Job, this guy's clothes tattered. He smells like smoke. Because that giant smoke off in the distance that Job had seen was on his property. Wildfires had broken out and have spread so fast that the flocks of sheep in the field could not escape. The wildfires just consumed all thousand of your sheep, Job. The servants that were out there trying to get to them got trapped by the fires and they themselves were burned alive. Job, I was at the edge of the field and I watched it as they screamed. It's the judgment of God, Job. Like, I, I've never seen anything like it, Job. 
And the guy next to him is like, we, we lost the cows too. And Job has bloody sheep in front of him on an altar. He's worshiping God as this tragedy comes to him. While he yet speaks, the next servant arrives. The fear in his eyes like you've never seen. It was a coordinated attack, Job. We always knew that the Chaldeans were there with their armies. They divided up into three bands. And we saw them coming and we thought, we'll get away. But they outflanked us. And before we knew it, we, we grabbed our swords and we went to battle. They, they slaughtered us. We didn't have a chance. I just dropped my sword and ran as fast as I could to get reinforcements. We need to get more servants. We need to go back to fight to keep our camels. The other servants look and go, there are no other servants. A thousand of them burned up. Killed by the Sabians. Job lost all that he owned. In one day, economic collapse. And while he yet spake, with ten dead lambs in front of Job, the chief servant from his eldest son's house comes weeping up the hill. We were having the feast today. And a whirlwind came. And it hit the house. And all the corners of the house just collapsed in. The roof caved in. It was all screaming, all the servants and all your children are dead, Job. I hate to be the one to tell you this. We found all their bodies. Not a single one made it. That's Job's worst day. Lost everything. Has sacrifices for each of his kids in front of him. Kids who now are dead. I was reminded of a story I read a little over 10 years ago. Ted and Janelle Klaus are their names. They're from a place called Blaine, Pennsylvania. And they know of this kind of pain right here that you talk about with Job. I read it was, a, it was a front page news article that described what happened. They said that Janelle, it was in the evening, she's out milking the cows in the barn. And so as she's milking the cows, her husband was out away from home. She, he was out at work. And they had a little toddler, about two or three years old, who came out to the barn to get mom. And the toddler comes out. It's nighttime. The, the toddler shouldn't be out, but here's Leah, the little toddler, comes out to mom and says to mom, Mama, Miranda is playing with the smoke. Miranda was the 18-month-old who was in a crib. And Leah looks at mama and says, she's playing with the smoke. And so Janelle hops up and sprints back to the house. And as she comes around from the barn to see the house, all the windows are glowing with fire as the house had caught on fire. Inside, trapped, 
and eventually killed would be all seven of their children with the exception of their toddler. I remember because when I saw the news story on the front page, it was a picture of seven caskets and two parents holding a little toddler, the only one they have left. The amount of agony and heartbreak for those who are friends of the Klauses, the type of sorrow that comes into a community, Ted and Janelle's hearts being ripped out of their chests to lose their children. Here in this story, Job, you just read the true story about a man who in one day lost everything. A spiritual guy who loved God, who served God, who carefully made sacrifices to God, whose whole life was devoted to God. All my fields are yours, God. Do with them what you want. On this day, it all crashed down. He lost it all. Verse 20. Then Job arose and rent tore his mantle, his cloak, and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You read there, he rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down on the ground. What you're reading is grief. You don't have to say tears. Those are understood. Job wept. This was a sad, sad day. And people, listen, you say, I follow Jesus. People who follow Jesus will have bad, bad days. Coming to Jesus does not exempt you from finding moments of heartache and heartbreak and disappointment. You follow Jesus. What did they do to Jesus? They killed Him and took everything He had. Do not be surprised when those who are His followers find the same kinds of suffering and a heartbreak and heartache in their lives. They rejected Him and mocked Him. Him. They insulted him and spat upon and beat him. Do not be surprised when physical suffering happens in your life. But with tears running down Job's face, down through his beard, it says Job falls to the ground as the weight of everything now on him. And it says, he worshipped. God, you're in control. I may have lost everything, but I have you. God, it was all yours in the beginning. It all came from your hand, and by your hand you can take it away. I trust you. G God, I, I will always follow you no matter what happens. Tears, sorrow, the screaming and the wailing of his servants. In the midst of his pain, he worshipped God. 
when the world around him was falling apart, when his life was in shambles, when life didn't make sense and his soul hurt so bad he couldn't move, he fell on his face and worshipped God. He'd made sacrifices, and clearly those sacrifices had not prevented this terrible day. Because sacrifices are not some type of magic that keep bad things from happening. Now the narrator, who told us the story, he saw everything. He knows exactly what's going on. You and I, we, we actually already got to see what was going on. Did you see Job's story? Job just had a bad day. Job had a miserable, terrible, heartbreaking day. Behind the, the scenes, though, remember? It's God and Satan having a conversation. What's happened? You would see, from Job's perspective, it's Sabians, it's firestorm, it's Chaldeans, it's a cyclone, it's death, it's stealing, it's destruction in his life. Job's view of God was such that he didn't need to hear the narrator to know that God was in control. You and I got to hear the narrator. We got to hear the behind-the-scenes story. He didn't get to hear that, and he still worships God in that moment. That's what a heart of faith looks like. That through the deepest possible pains, God, you are wise. You know what I need. I thought I needed sheep and camels and cows and donkeys, but you knew I didn't. I thought I needed beautiful children around me all the time and my grandchildren, but you knew I didn't. I trust you. Through the deepest possible pain, with ten funerals to plan, and no money to pay for it now. Job had turned from goat, greatest of all time, to flat broke. Job didn't lose his faith. Verse 11, Satan had said, put forth your hand now against him. Take everything he has and he'll curse you to your face. Did he? Did he? No. You gave it to him, but if you take it away, he'll curse you. And Satan says, but Job says, the Lord gave it and the Lord has taken it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, not cursed be the name of the Lord. His faith unshakable through the hardest pains. This was his personal God. This was the God who was only always good. And even though today looked terrible, he knew that God could still be trusted. I don't know what you're doing. It hurts a lot. But I trust you. Notice Job says, the Lord gave, verse 21, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Pump the brakes. The Lord gave, all right, and the Lord took away. I mean, who took away? I mean, you remember the Sabians? They took away. Or the wildfire? It took away. The Chaldeans in three bands? They took away. Satan, he took away. But now Job, while he's over here having his prayer moment, says, God took it away. Uh-oh, Job. Oh, no. 
Did you get that wrong, Job? How could you accuse God of something like that? Job was convinced that God is in control even when bad things happen. And so Job says, the Lord took it away. I trust that it was his mighty hand over the whole scenario that took it away. I don't care who all of the individual movers and shakers are. I don't care that it might have been this person or that person or this group of people or that group of people. I don't care that it might have just looked like a really bad day. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's the God of might and strength who's in control of all things who worked this painful day in my life and took it away. Maybe he's wrong and he's falsely accusing God. Verse 22. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. To explain that, he wasn't wrong. He's not falsely accusing God. God actually has the narrator write into the text to make sure we know that what Job just said is actually true. God was in control and God was the one who gave and God was the one who took away Job is telling the truth through his pain and his heart of faith. We need to see that the almighty and intimately personal God is not out of control in the midst of our darkest calamities. But that he, according to verse 22, willingly raises his hand and says, yes, I'm the one in control. I did give, and yes, I did take it away. God confirms Job's words in verse 22. And that, the fact that God would take away from from the one who offers ten sacrifices, the one who hates evil and turns away from it all of his life, that God would take away all of his things should actually be comforting to us. Because God might take away all your things if you choose to follow Jesus you might lose it all and that should be comforting to you what do I mean by that because there's another alternative which is this hmm. Job's living his life having a good time he's made some good investments he's got a lot of property and then it's all gone And God turns around and he's like, oops, (laughs) should have been protecting him. Oopsie-daisy. I guess bad things happen sometimes. Well, oopsie-daisy. As though God is some passive player in Job's story. That's terrifying. Because that means that if bad things happened in your life, they would be absolutely random and meaningless in a world of chaos. I don't know where bad things, sometimes bad things just happen. You can't ever tell. It's just how it works. Job goes, no, that's not how the world works. That's not how the universe functions. The almighty God who's in control of all things is in control of our suffering. And if suffering comes into the life of one of God's people, it only comes through the gracious and loving, compassionate fingertips of the almighty God. It doesn't sneak around and get to us. It's only by his permission. And there are those who in the midst of their suffering 
When the destruction came, their deconstruction began. They say, I used to be Christian, but they say, I don't believe in God anymore because the God that they believe let them down. I lost it. I tried following God and it went bad. I don't follow God anymore. That's because you believe in a smaller God who's not big enough to control moments of suffering. That's because you believe in a God, perhaps you were taught about a God who isn't capable of handling hard times or answering hard questions. But the God of the universe, the God that Job falls on his face and worships, he worships because he goes, that God's big enough to hold all of the hard times and all of the hard questions for me. God's working in the midst of our moments of darkest pain. He, in His love for us, is orchestrating perfectly what He wants to. Nothing is happening apart from His permission and His perfectly good plan for us. Not a single moment of pain is meaningless in this life if you are one of His people. He's the one who is working all things together for our good. It just may take some time. It may take till eternity to see what those infinitely good and wise purposes are. But in the meantime, heartache happens. Heartbreak happens. Cry. See our brother Job fall on the ground. But as your heart breaks and it crumples you to your knees, with your soul ripped to shreds, worship with Job and say, well, the Lord gave and the Lord can take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When your soul aches, turn your eyes to Jesus. He is in control. Look at me, young people, as I finish. Some of you in here, your life hasn't been hard. Like I talk about hard times, people dying, and you're like, ah, I had an aunt somewhere who died. Some of you in this room, you have hurt, and you're likely hurting right now. You have fears and anxieties welling up in your heart. You hear this reality that God is good, but then you look at your life and you go, but I'm so angry at this person for what they did. I'm so sad that this has happened. When we see Job's story this morning, as we see Job's story over the next couple days, you, young person, see how Job in the midst of his pain learns to look to God that hard times drive him deeper into trusting the goodness of God who's big enough to use even the hard and painful moments of your life for good purposes. And learn to trust him with that broken heart of yours. Let's pray together. God Almighty, Lord of heaven and earth, Today we come and we ask that you would work in our hearts. 
Grant us hearts of faith to believe that you are good and you are wise and you are all-powerful. That no moments of our pain are meaningless but have only come by your wise, gracious, loving, and compassionate goodness. Through your fingertips come every moment of our lives. Teach us to trust that. Settle our hearts with the confidence that in this life, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. And every sorrow and every heartache, every disappointment and every fear, that even in these moments that are the hardest in our lives only come by your permission. We love you. We trust you. Teach us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.